according to an article from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration from this year, tropical cyclones, tropical storms, hurricanes, typhoons are on the rise. Storms are on the rise. The very pastoral cliche would be then to say after such a statement, and the storms are on a rise in our lives as well. And while this is true, and even biblically, there's evidence that as the world gets older, as, as history passes by, that, that the turmoil of life will increase. I believe it's a disservice, uh, an oversimplification of life to to analyze the amount of our storms versus the storms in another generation. I think it would be safe to surmise that, that Christians in every generation read the words of Jesus that are found in the book of John. In this world, you will have trouble. And they, like us, say, yep. I look around the world today and I say, man, can it, has it ever been so bad? And Christians in the days of Nero, Christians at the time when Jerusalem fell in 70 AD say, yeah, it's been pretty bad. The Waldenses who, who were hunted, hunted for their beliefs and had to hide out in caves in various places, they would say, yep, it's been pretty bad. The Anabaptists who were taken out into the middle of bodies of water and, and weights tied them and dropped in the, to the, into the water to drown because they dared to baptize by immersion would say, yep, it's been pretty bad. Jews living in Germany and in Europe in the 1930s and the 1940s would say, yep, it's been pretty bad. And families and loved ones of those that were impacted then and the ongoing impact of September 11, 2001 would say, yep, it's been pretty bad. As Christians, we like to assess as better or worse the times that we are living in in comparison to previous times. It's almost like we're hoping that maybe we can get a, a jump on the second coming of Jesus. Like, like we can get a head start over everyone else. But our primary calling is not to simply assess the times and the seasons that we are in. It is part of our calling, but it is not our primary calling. In the first paragraph of the book of Acts, we've been studying the book of Acts, and all the way back at the very beginning of this series, we talked about the first chapter of Acts. And in the very first paragraph of this book, we are taught that this is not our primary calling, to assess the times we are in. The disciples have come together with Jesus and the Bible says that they asked him this question, Lord, at this time, Acts chapter one, will you restore your kingdom? Acts chapter one and verse six. And then in verse seven, Jesus answered them and he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. It wasn't for them to know the times and the seasons. And we really can't know fully the times and the seasons now. 
We can see that things are getting bad and we can prepare our hearts for the Lord's coming, but, but, but our first duty is not to assess the storms we are in. Our first duty as Christians is to be influencers in the midst of those storms. Jesus said to the disciples, it's not for you to assess the times and the seasons you are in. Go back to Jerusalem and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is our primary mission, to be influencers in the midst of the storms. And so today, I want us to keep that in mind as we study Acts chapter 27, a story about a storm. Acts chapter 27, and I'm beginning in verse 1. If you have a Bible there in your home, feel free to open it up or simply listen and follow along. And when it was decided that we, that's Paul, Luke is writing this, but he's speaking of himself and all the companions that were with Paul, that we should sail for Italy. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adarapmetium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. And they are on their journey. Now, where are they going? They're going to Rome because Paul has been arrested. He's been put in chains and he has appealed to Caesar, which means he has asked to go and stand before Caesar. His desire has always been to get to Rome to witness in Rome, and now he will actually get there into the heart of the Roman Empire. The Bible tells us that in verse 8, that they were coasting along the edge of the sea with difficulty. We came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lassia. The Bible tells us in verse 9 then, since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, the fast being spoken of here is what is known as the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is a, is, was, a, was a feast, a festival in Jewish history. It also plays a role in, in Christian history as well in relationship to the judgment. But the Day of Atonement is a fast that comes, a feast that comes in September or October. It's known in our modern culture as Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, as it referred to now, is in the fall. And Luke here is telling us that the fall has already come. He's telling us what time of year it is. And because of this, Paul, the Bible tells us, advised them saying, this is verse 10 of chapter 27, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Then verse 11, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Luke is setting up the conflict here like a good author. He's setting up the conflict in the story that is about to take place, the storm that we are about to discover. Verse 14, but soon a tempestuous wind, a strong wind, a sudden wind, a, 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 a wind that will drive a boat crazy in the midst of a sea called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And then when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. They now have no power over the ship because the storm is so strong. Now the Bible says, running under the lee, 
of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the citrus, they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. They're just trying all kinds of things to, to get control of this boat. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun, this is verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Luke says, man, we were just hoping for even a small storm. No small tempest even came upon us. It just stayed this massive northeaster. And all hope, of our being saved, the Bible says, was lost. And in the midst of this, and in the midst of this, Paul speaks. Verse 21, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted not only your life, but all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, Paul said, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been, been told. Verse 26, but we must run aground on some island. We must run aground on some island. And the ship sails on through this storm. The ship sails on through the storm. Verse 33, as the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food. It will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea." Let me finish the story for you, although I'm sure that you can gather what is about to happen. The boat got stuck on some rocks and the storm then tore the boat to pieces. Some men were able to swim ashore. Other men had to grab pieces of the boat and they were carried ashore by the currents. But not one of those 276 individuals died. All 276 persons lived just as Paul had been told that would happen by the angel in a vision. Now, I want to take this story. I want to take Paul's actions in the literal storm that he was in to apply principles to our world, to apply principles to the storms that we go through. There's four takeaways that I want us to apply from this story of Paul. Whether the storms in our world are more or less than storms at previous times, who is to say? What I can say is this, that our primary mission is to be influencers in the midst of the storms. And here is the first principle. 
And you're going to say, wait a second, isn't this a contradiction of what you've been saying? Well, listen to what I say. The first principle is this, assess the storm and share that assessment with others. Folks, we are not saying that we are not to assess the storms we are living in. We are to keep our eyes open. Jesus told a parable about a fig tree and he said, when the fig tree's leaves are a certain way, then you know the season is approaching. What is Jesus saying? Keep your eyes open for the seasons that you're living in. But, but, but here's the problem. Too often, we're so concerned about the seasons that we are living in that we forget to notify others about those seasons as well. Yes, we are called to assess the storms, but that is not our primary mission. Our primary mission is that once we have our assessment, our primary mission is to go then out and tell others what is happening in our world. Listen to this very strong warning from the book of Ezekiel chapter three, verses 17, 18. This is a strong word. Listen to this. Ezekiel chapter three, verses 17 and 18. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. May I say another it another way. God is saying, if you see what's going on, if you understand the realities of this book, and you know that there are people that don't know Jesus that are lost, and you don't warn them. In the book of Ezekiel, it says their blood will be on our hands. We are to assess the storms, but not so that we can get a jump start on everybody else into the second coming. No, so that we can warn others so that they too may have life in Jesus Christ. Now, let me say a little word. The storms that we are to warn people about, they are to be storms that we can clearly teach from the word of God, clearly teach from the from the connections of this book in, in history. Just because someone says they are Christians doesn't necessarily mean the storms they are warning you of are in fact accurate. The person who says that the mark of the beast is a vaccine is not getting that from this book. The person who says that, that, that the government is trying to control your mind for the last days through 5G is not getting that from this book. And yes, that is a real, those are real things that have been shared with me by Christians. Just because someone tells you that, that getting the vaccine is dipping your toes in the lake of fire does not mean that that is from this book. Y'all make sure the storms you are assessing are from this book, are from this book. The first principle is we are to assess the storms we're in according to the word of God and then warn others, share others. That's what Paul did. Paul said, hey folks, it looks to me like it's gonna be a dangerous voyage and we shouldn't go any further. They didn't listen to him though. 
And so we apply principle number two. Principle number two comes from Paul's words in verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, that's all the people on the ship, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for, from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. This sounds a bit like an I told you so statement, an I told you so moment, but it isn't. Paul isn't using this moment to say, I told you so. I mean, we've all had that happen to us. We've had people say, I told you so, and oh, it just irks us. It gets under our skin. That's not what Paul is doing here. Paul is reminding them of his past words so that they will then trust what he is about to say. And what he is about to share is a word of hope. But first, Paul is reminding them of his past statements. He said, you remember what I said before? I'm telling you about that so that you can trust me in what I'm about to say. Here is the second principle, folks. Be Christians, be people who are so credible that when the storms of life actually come, people look to you for clarity and honesty and truth. Don't live your life in such a way that no one's going to look to you or to your pastor, to what you have said for any type of clarity or honesty. There's a member of our church who came up to me after a worship service and said to me, Pastor, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know what to do. I said, what? And they, sh they showed me their phone. They said, read this text. They said, this is from one of my coworkers. The text said this. Something has happened in my life that, is, that has caused me to question everything I've ever believed. I've watched you and I respect you and the faith that you live by. Can we please talk this week? This member of our church was, was nervous, but, but I was overjoyed. I said, do you see what she's saying? She's saying you've lived your life in such a way that now when she has a crisis, now when she's going through a storm, the person she is coming to to say, I need some guidance is you because she's seen you live out your faith. Folks, that's who we need to be. That's who we need to be. Paul says, I wasn't crying wolf before. And now you see that. So trust me now. And what he wants them to trust leads us to our third and our fourth points, verse 22. Yet now I urge you, this is Paul speaking, to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. And then verse 26, but we must run aground on some island. We must run aground on some island. Now, principle number three is actually based on the very first words of what I just read and the very last words of what I read. The first words were, this ship is gonna be lost. The last words is we're well, gonna have to run aground. We're still gonna run into trouble. This is principle number three. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, let's not sugarcoat things. Paul tells them, honestly, 
The ship is going to be lost. We're going to run around. In other words, we're still going to have trouble. Brothers and sisters, there's people that, that, that call themselves Christians that are teaching this world that if you just do A, B, C, and D, then everything is going to be okay. If you just vote for this person or this person, then everything is going to be okay. If we just have this many people in the courts, then everything is going to be okay. If you just pay this money to God, the prosperity gospel teaches, if you just pay this money to God, then everything is going to be okay. The Bible tells us in this world, you will have trouble. We should not sugarcoat things. We should also be mindful to not sugarcoat things when we're dealing with people who are going through storms. When someone has lost their child, they should not hear from us, oh, you'll get over it. No, we should put our arms around them and mourn with them and weep with them and tell them this pain may be there forever, but Jesus will come. My grandma and grandpa, recently my grandfather had a stroke and it has completely altered his mental state, has completely altered his life. And thus it has altered the life of my grandma. And she is heartbroken. And her life will, for the rest of her living years on this earth, be forever different. She doesn't need a Christian to come along and sing to her. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. She doesn't need that. She doesn't need that sugarcoating. She needs honesty. Yes, in this world, you will have trouble. We need to give people an honest assessment of the world and of what is going on in the world. But, but, and this is the fourth principle, part of that honesty is always providing a word of hope. Always pointing people to Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. It might not get much better in this world. I can't guarantee that it's gonna get better. I can't guarantee that that's gonna be, gonna, gonna fix itself. But what I can guarantee is one day Jesus is coming. Paul tells these men, the ship's gonna run aground. We're gonna lose the ship. There's gonna be trouble, but take hope. Take hope. And later on, when they start to forget this, Paul comes again to them and says, hey, have some food. Have some food and have peace because no matter what's about to happen, God is still with us. You know, God hasn't shown me as he's shown Paul that, that people are going to live. But what God has shown me through this book is that in this world, I can have a peace that passes all understanding. What God has taught me through this book and what I've experienced in personally in my life is that, is that even in the darkest of times, I can still experience life and life more abundantly than I could ever imagine. God has, God has taught me through this book that, that though I sorrow, yet I rejoice because of Jesus. What this book teaches me is that though I am a great sinner, Jesus still loves me. When I'm beating myself up, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm feeling such guilt over what I have done, the book of Isaiah tells me that Jesus comes to me and says, hey, come on, let's figure this out together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Isaiah chapter one and verse 18. Folks, in this world, we will have trouble, but we must always 
bring a word of hope. Can I tell you that I'm struggling right now because so many Christians are shouting fire, 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 but they aren't also taking the time to say, but there's hope, but there's hope, but there's hope. They're pointing to the boogeyman behind every corner, but they're not assuring people of the Savior that stands at the door of each heart, knocking and saying, open the door. And if you let me come in, I will eat with you and I will dwell with you and I will give you peace and hope. Christians are joining the world and canceling people rather than telling people, you messed up, but Jesus loves you and he will forgive you. Y'all Christians are to help people see the storms that are coming, the storms that they are living in. Christians though are to live lives that, that help people to trust them in the midst of those storms. Christians are to be honest, not sugarcoating the reality of the situations that we are in, but Christians are also always, always, always telling people there is hope because Jesus is coming again. There is hope because Jesus said it is so. You know, the very last chapter in the book of the Bible, in this book right here, the very last chapter, Revelation chapter 22, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse seven, Jesus said, behold, I am coming soon. In Revelation chapter two and 22 and verse 12, Jesus said again, behold, I am coming soon. And then in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20, Jesus said, surely I am coming soon. Three times in the very last chapter of the very last book of this most important book, Jesus tells us three times, I am coming soon. The world is on fire. The world is going through storms. You might be going through personal storms right now, but I want you to know that Jesus wants us to hear from him. It's going to get better. This world is going to be made new because I am coming soon. Lord Jesus, help us to know that in our hearts and help us to believe that with all of our hearts that you are coming soon. And Lord, those who are going through storms right now, may they, may they hear this. I can't guarantee that it's going to get better. But there are believers out there to walk with you, to love you, to put their arms around you, to mourn with you, to weep with you, and to hope with you. In the good news that Jesus is coming. And when he comes, Jesus tells us, behold, I will make all things new. I'll make all things right. In this world, things are just gonna get crazier and crazier. But one day, Jesus will make it all right. Lord, and for those of us that are Christians, may we be such a people that we accurately assess the storms, that we warn people about the storms, that we speak honestly about the challenges that we are and that we, be, that we are people that, that rightly represent you in the midst of the storms, Jesus. And most of all, may we be people that in the midst of the storms, when everyone else is crying out in fear, we're pointing up and we're looking to you and say, Jesus told me he's coming soon. Jesus told me he's coming soon. 
Jesus told me he's coming soon. Lord, help us to keep our faith in that. In your name I pray. Amen.